Good morning, church. How are we feeling this morning? It's like spring winter here. It's like freezing outside. I hear it's dumping in snow in Durango, and it's freezing here. It's like, it's just confusing living in Farmington. It's like, will it snow, or is it 75 degrees today? Perhaps both at the same time. Uh, welcome to Pinion Hills. My name is Matt. Good to have you here with us. We are continuing on a series called Take a Number, which is all about addressing this question, how do you wait when you are sick and tired of waiting? For screens. <laughs> it might actually be off. I don't even know if it's on right now. It doesn't even look like it's on. Uh, I don't know. But how do, you, how do you wait when you are sick and tired of waiting? How do we do that? I don't know what you've been waiting on. Perhaps you've been waiting on a diagnosis. Perhaps you've been waiting on news. You've been waiting on a promotion. You've been waiting on uh, kids. You've been waiting on love. You've been waiting on a relationship. You've been waiting on a storm to pass. What is it that you are waiting on? Whatever it is that you're waiting on, let me encourage you with this. In fact, finish this sentence if you know it. Good things come to those who That's right. Good things come to those who wait. That's kind of an all-encompassing statement for this entire series. And as we wrap up this morning with this series, that is what we're going to be talking about. Good things come to those who wait. If you have your Bible, pull out your Bible and turn to Luke chapter 2. That's where we're going to start off. And fair warning this morning, uh, we're going to be kind of all over the place in our scriptures. And so don't feel like you've got to flip over to every single one of our scriptures because it's kind of, today's going to be like watching an episode of This Is Us. It's going to be like flashbacks to the past and flashbacks to the future. It's going to be all over the place. And so that only makes sense if you've ever seen an episode of This Is Us. So appreciate the laughter. But uh, anyway, we're going to be starting off in Luke chapter 2, verse 25. And, uh, and, and we're introduced to a new character this morning. So follow along with me. Luke 2.25. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon. Everybody say Simeon. 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 Yeah, I don't think the TV's on. Thank you for, for doing that. Sharp Roku TV. Uh, all right, so Simeon. Simeon was righteous and devout is what it says in Luke 2.25. He's righteous and devout. Now the question is, what is he righteous and devout to? Well, he was born prior to Jesus' arrival. He was born before Jesus was ever born. So Simeon, what he was being devoted to, I feel like I'm going to be referring to you, Rachel. You're not Simeon, you're Rachel. But what Simeon was devoted to was the Old Testament, the Old Covenant that God had made with his, with, with his people, the Israelites. Now, if you look at your Bible, the Bible is made up of two main sections, right? The Old Testament and the New Testament. But really, more accurately, how we would describe those two sections is, is the Old Covenant and the new covenant. The old covenant is the covenant, the, the promises that God had made to his people in the nation of Israel. And Simeon is one of those people that was a part of the nation of Israel. So when scripture says he was, he was righteous and devout, he was devoted to all the rules, all the teachings, all the expectations that God had for his people in the Old Testament. Now that being said, Simeon also, like many of us, was waiting for something. Let's look at what he was waiting for. Luke 22:25 says, Simeon was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was on him. He was waiting for the consolation of, of Israel. Oh, yeah, there we go. Cool. Uh, the consolation of Israel. Now, now you might be wondering, what, what in the heck does that mean? What's a consolation of Israel? Well, if you go back to the original language in which the book of Luke was written, which is Greek, if you look at that word of consolation, it's a word called paraklesin. Paraklesin means comforter. Simeon was waiting for the comforter of the nation of Israel. In other words, he's waiting for the Messiah. He's waiting for peace. He's waiting for hope. He's waiting for joy. 
But Simeon is a part of the Old Testament culture, the Old Testament group of people. He's part of the nation of Israel. But he's waiting for the Messiah to show up one day. He's waiting for basically the fulfillment of the promises that God had made to the nation of Israel. And this ties back into what we talked about five weeks ago when we first started this series. Remember we talked about Father Abraham? Father Abraham had many sons, had many sons, had Father Abraham. Two of you know that song. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Father Abraham, we talked about him five weeks ago when we kicked off this series of Take a Number. And perhaps if you were here five weeks ago, you remember what we talked about. Let's go back and refresh our memory really quickly. Genesis chapter 12, God says to Abraham, he says, I will make you into a great nation, Abraham, and I will bless you. I will make your name great. You will be a blessing. I will bless those who, are, who bless you and, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. That's what God said to Abraham. All peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Abraham is excited. He's stoked. He's like, yes, I'm going to leave a legacy. But then he started waiting and waiting and waiting. He's like, how, how am I going to bless all people on earth when I don't even have a kid, when I don't have a son, to have a, a legacy, to have a family tree? This is what we talked about five weeks ago. You can go back and watch the entire message on that if, if you missed it. But then one day, when he's 100 years old, finally, God gives him Isaac. And, and he was, Abraham was really excited through the birth of his son Isaac because now Isaac makes it possible for the fulfillment of, of this promise that God made to him. God said, all people on earth are going to be blessed through you, Abraham. But it wasn't made possible until Isaac was born. But Isaac wasn't the blessing to all people on earth. Isaac just made it possible for the blessing because Isaac got married and had sons who 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 had sons through 42 generations from Abraham on 42 generations later Jesus was born in the same family tree Jesus was the fulfillment of that promise Abraham was told by God all people on earth are going to be blessed through you Abraham when his son was born he was like yes now it's possible but that wasn't the fulfillment of the promise the fulfillment of that covenant that promise that God had made in the Old Testament was fulfilled when the Messiah shows up when Jesus is born Jesus remember the Great Commission he says go and make make disciples of all nations all nations all people on earth are going to be blessed because of the Messiah Abraham never had a clue about that he didn't have any idea of, of the fact that his lineage, his family tree was going to lead into the arrival of the Messiah. So when Jesus shows up, Jesus even says, I'm not here to do away with the old law. In fact, Jesus says in Matthew 5, 17, he says, do not think that I've come to abolish the Old Testament or the old law or the old covenant. I haven't come to abolish the law of the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. He was the fulfillment of the old promises that God had made to the nation of Israel. Now, all that being said, Simeon, he was waiting for the arrival of the Messiah. He was waiting for the comforter of Israel. And he's waiting, and he's waiting, and he's waiting. But he had been told a promise, Luke 2.26. We're going back and forth. Luke 2.26, it had been revealed to Simeon by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he saw the Lord's Messiah. He gets to see the Messiah face to face. He was a part, Simeon's a part of the Old Testament culture who had been waiting and waiting and waiting for the consolation of Israel for the Messiah to show up. But God said to Simeon, you get to see the Messiah yourself before you kick the bucket. <laughs> 
What a cool statement that is. What a cool promise that is to Simeon. My wife and I, a couple weeks ago, we went to a Special Olympics. It was here in Farmington for the poly hockey tournament. And we have a, a couple friends who have Down syndrome, so we went to go and cheer them on and, and root for them and, and, and help them out in their poly hockey competition. But as we're down there uh, in, in, the, in the arena that they were competing in, one of my buddies comes up to me, and he, he has Down syndrome, and he said, he said, Matt, do you think that Chevelle Shepard will come and cheer for me today? And he's from Albuquerque. He knows, like, Chevelle's from out Farmington. And I was like, dude, you know, I doubt it. I mean, she's busy now. Like, she's already won the voice by this point. I was like, I, I saw that she was in Nashville, and then right after that, she was in New York. Like, I'm so sorry, man. Like, I'll cheer for you, but I, I think, you know, don't get your hopes up. I don't think Chevelle's going to actually show up and, and cheer for you. Three minutes later, guess who walks in the door? <laughs> Chevelle shows up, and her whole entourage comes in, and it was like a piranha feeding fest. All the athletes uh, of the Special Olympics, woo, they all converged upon her, and they're all taking, taking pictures. <coughs> Excuse me. I have a picture of her taking pictures of other people. Here she is. And, and, uh, it, it, and I felt so bad for her because there's hundreds of athletes that are coming up, and they're like, let's take pictures, and they're putting, I mean, they'd leave their competition, go put their sweaty armpits on her. And I felt so bad. I talked to Chevelle later on. I was like, was that weird? Did you like, have to go home and take a shower right away because you had so much sweat from all these athletes? And she, her response was this. She was like, I loved it. Uh, how sweet. All these Special Olympic athletes. I, I just want to take a picture with Chevelle. I just want to be there. I just want to meet her. How sweet it, it is to be able to meet Chevelle, the winner of The Voice. Well, Simeon is told by God, before you die, you get to meet the Messiah, the Savior of the world. How sweet is that? What an impactful statement that is. What a meaningful promise that is. And so Simeon, he's waiting. He's righteous. He's devoted. He's waiting and he's waiting and he's waiting and he's waiting and he's waiting. And, he's, waiting. and he, he's hopeful to someday at some point meet the Messiah before he dies. But he's waiting decade after decade. No Messiah. Decade after no Messiah. Decade goes by. Until one still, silent night, some shepherds outside of the town of Bethlehem, tending to their, their sheep. It's like the sky's cracked open. An angel comes down and starts speaking to these shepherds. And this angel says this to the shepherds. Luke chapter 2, verse 10. We're, 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 there's two stories going on simultaneously here, so that's why we're going backwards. Luke 2, 10. The angel says to the shepherds, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you, and he is Messiah the Lord. Did you catch the phrase in there? The angel says to the shepherds, great joy. The Messiah has showed up, and he's joy for all the people. That's a direct correlation to what God had said to Abraham hundreds of years before. If, if, if you remember Genesis chapter 12 verse 3, God said to Abraham, all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. And then the angel shows up hundreds of years later and says, that promise is finally being made good. God said to Abraham, all people on earth are going to be blessed through you. And then hundreds of years later, the Messiah is born in a little town of Bethlehem. And, and this Messiah is going to cause great joy for all the people. After this long wait for the whole nation of Israel, this long wait for Simeon, finally the Messiah shows up. Finally, after decade, after decade, after decade, the Messiah arrives. 
The angel shows up to the shepherds, says, good news for all the people. Was just born. The Messiah was just born. So these shepherds were like, all right, let's go check it out. <laughs> so these shepherds go and they go into this town of Bethlehem. And sure enough, in the manger, they see baby Messiah. The fulfillment of the prophecy of the Old Testament. The fulfillment of the covenant of the Old Testament. There he is in the flesh. Eight days later, as which was customary, a part of the Old Testament covenant, Mary and Joseph decided to circumcise Jesus. Luke 2.21, on the eighth day, when it was time to circumcise the child, he was named Jesus. Now let me stop there for just a second because I find incredible irony to this. Here's the irony. Mary and Joseph, prior to the arrival of Jesus, had been told by the angel Gabriel, when you have a son, Mary, you, you are pregnant. And it doesn't make sense how you're pregnant as a virgin, but when you have a son, you are to name him Jesus. The angel came and said that to Mary. The angel also came to Joseph and said, hey, when you have a son, you are to name him Jesus. So there should be no question what Jesus' name should be when he's actually born. But it took him eight days to name him Jesus. When my wife and I were expecting our first child, we were told by doctors we wouldn't be able to have kids. We've been waiting and waiting and waiting. Sure enough, we wound up pregnant. And we're like, holy cow, we're going to have a, a baby, our own baby. That's awesome. It's a fulfillment of prayers. It's an answered prayer. But we started creating a list of boy names and girl names because we didn't know what the gender was. So we made these two lists. And, and while we were making those lists, uh, we wrote Michaela as one of the options on, on the girl's side. But we didn't tell anybody because we didn't want people to sway our decision. We didn't tell my friends. We didn't tell our family members. We didn't tell anybody what the names were on our, on our lists. Well, one day, a woman comes to my wife and she says, Hey, I don't know why I'm supposed to say this, but I feel like I'm supposed to tell you that you should name your daughter Michaela. And my wife comes home and she's like, You're never going to believe what happened today. Uh, some random lady came up to me and said that we should name our daughter, daughter Michaela. We don't even know we're having a daughter yet. We we're like, well, that's crazy. That name's already on our list. But we don't know if we're having a boy or a girl, so uh, whatever. A couple weeks later, we go to the doctor. We, we have the ultrasound, but we didn't want to find out just yet. So they wrote the ultrasound. They wrote the gender on a little piece of paper, put that in an envelope. We gave it to one of our friends. We invited our friends and family over to our house. We did the traditional gender reveal party. We opened up the box. Pink balloons flew out. It's a girl. Shortly after that, a random lady came up to me. We had not told anybody the names we were considering. Lady comes up to me. She says, hey, I know you're having a girl. You should consider naming her Michaela. And we're like, okay, that's just weird now. That's getting a little bit creepy. Two different people that we don't know very well do don't know the names that are on our list. Both said the same name. A couple days after that, I kid you not, you can ask my wife this, one of her best friends calls her and says, hey, I don't know why, but I feel like I'm led to tell you to name your daughter Michaela. Now we're like, okay, this is getting even weirder and weirder by the minute. Like, why, why were all these people saying the same name? Why are they all coming to us saying we should name our daughter Michaela? At the time, I was a youth pastor in Albuquerque. And uh, at the time, I was doing both middle school and high school. I remember distinctly a night prior to our baby's birth. I'm there right before church starts, and this little sixth-grade girl comes up to me. I don't remember ever seeing her. I don't remember knowing her. She runs up to me. She's like, Pastor Matt, I'm supposed to give you something. And she hands me a sign. A white sign on it is written in black sharpie, Michaela. And I take that sign, I look at her, and she runs off. I don't even know who she was. I go home from church that night. I'm like, babe, I got a sign today. I think we're supposed to, <laughs> supposed to, name, <laughs> supposed to name our daughter Michaela. She's like, well, what, what's the sign this time? I was like, no, literally, I got a sign. Like, 
it says Michaela on it in the way that we spell it, M-A-K-A-E-L-A. -E That's the way it was written on our list. April 12, 2013, our baby's born. And it took, it took us approximately 10 minutes as we were looking at our baby. We're like, you know what? We don't know why so many people have told us that we should name our baby Michaela, but we had looked it up. And the name Michaela means to be like God. We're like, that's fitting. That's what we, that's what we hope for our daughter. So it took, it took us about 10 minutes to name her Michaela Grace Mizell. And that's after four random people had told us, you should name your daughter Michaela. Mary and Joseph had an angel from the Lord come to them in two different dreams and say, you are to name your son Jesus. Yet when he's born, they hesitated. When he actually came out, they waited eight days to actually follow through and follow through with what God had already told them to do. And the irony is that here we are in a series called Take a Number. And, and we've been talking for the last five weeks about how we should wait on the Lord, wait for the Lord, wait for the Lord. Good things happen to those who wait. That's what we've been talking about for five weeks. Yet when Mary and Joseph knew what they were supposed to do, they waited, but it was the wrong time to wait. Why? Because God already told them what to do. Here's the interesting thing is that sometimes we wait at the wrong times when we're not supposed to take a number, when we're not supposed to wait. God already spoke it, but therefore we don't have to question it. God already said we should do something. We don't have to pray about it or think about it or sleep on it. When God's already told us to do something, we need to do it. It, it, it amazes me how many times I have conversations with people. I'm like, hey, have you been baptized yet? No, I haven't been baptized. Well, I'm like, well, have you, have you accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior? Yeah, I've accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Well, then how come you haven't been baptized? I, I don't know. I'll get around to it. I, I'll pray about it. Why? Well, why are you praying about something that God's already told you that you should do? You're involved in some sort of sin. You're looking at porn. You're in, you're in an affair. You're doing something that you shouldn't be doing. And somebody calls you out on it. Hey, you should stop doing that. Oh, I'll, I'll sleep on it. I'll think about it. Why? When God's already told you to do something, you don't have to sleep on it. You don't have to chew on it. You don't have to think about it. You don't have to pray about it when God's already made it clear what you should do. Mary and Joseph had already been told, hey, you should name your, your son Jesus. Took them eight days to follow through. Why they delayed, why they hesitated, I don't know. But if you're taking notes, you can write this down. When God says obey, you better not delay. When God says obey, you better not delay. Don't wait at the wrong time. We're called to wait on the Lord. Wait for the Lord. Wait on God's timing. Wait on his perfect timing. But if you're still waiting after he's made it clear what you should do, now, now you're robbing yourself from the joy of what God intended for you to live. Now you're messing up God's whole plan. Simeon had been waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting for the Lord. He'd been waiting for, for the Messiah to be born. He'd been waiting his entire life for the arrival of the Messiah. And then one day, seemingly out of nowhere, God says to Simeon, hey, I want you to go to the temple today. Didn't tell him why. Didn't tell him what was in the temple. Didn't tell him what was about to happen. He just said, go to the temple. Which, here's my challenge to you. If if God tells you to do something, even if you don't know why, listen to the big guy. <laughs> even if you don't know why, listen to the big guy. Listen to God. If he tells you to do something, even if you don't know why. Simeon's told by God, go to the temple today. I want you to go into the temple courts. Luke 2.27, moved by the Spirit, Simeon went into the temple courts. And lo and behold, inside the temple was Jesus. He'd been promised his whole life. Before you die, Simeon, you're going to meet the Messiah, you're going to meet Jesus. And he goes into the temple. God just said, go into the temple. So he's obedient to that. 
He shows up and it's like a surprise party. There's the Messiah. This is the guy I've been waiting on my entire life. He's here in the flesh. He's the Jehovah. He's the Christ. He's the King of Kings. He's the Lord of Lords. It's Jesus, the Christ, in person. I get to see him. And it got even better than that. God outdid the promise. God had said, hey, you're just going to see him. But then he gets to hold the Messiah. Look at what happens. Luke 2, 28. Simeon took Jesus in his arms. I don't know how he convinced Mary, but he took Jesus in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised. As you have promised, God. You may now dismiss your servant in peace. In other words, you just take me now, God. I've got to see Jesus. I've got to see the Messiah. My life is now complete. You can dismiss your servant in peace. Verse 30, Simeon says, For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles, and the glory of your people Israel. In other words, what Simeon just experienced, he just saw the fulfillment of the whole promise that God had made to Abraham. God had told Abraham, all nations are going to be blessed through you. And now here's the Messiah that's the, the, the fulfillment of that promise. Simeon's experiencing the fulfillment of the, of the promise and the covenant made to the nation of Israel. He's seeing history being made, history being implemented right in front of him. But at the same time, what he didn't even realize is that Simeon's name literally means God-receiver. He had been told by God that he would see the Messiah. He had no idea that he would receive and hold the Messiah. But that's what Simeon literally means. It means receiver of God. He got to hold the Messiah. Now, if some, some way, if you could somehow go back in history and ask Simeon, hey, you waited decades for that moment. Was it worth it? You waited and waited and waited and waited and waited. Simeon, was it worth the wait? If you were to ask him that question, I'm guessing his response would be, oh, heck yeah, it was worth it. I got to see the Messiah. I got to hold the Messiah. Perhaps he would say, well, you can write down in your notes, God's great is worth the wait. It was definitely worth the wait. Crazy thing is, he was that close to missing it. God had said, I want you today, Simeon, to go into the temple. What if he had hesitated? What if he said, I'm busy today, God. I got stuff going on. I don't know what's in the temple. I go to the temple all the time. I go to the temple every single week. Why I go to the temple today? What if he had not been obedient? What if he had not listened when God told him to go? What if he had missed that opportunity? Everything that he had been waiting for, he would have missed it had he not been obedient to God in that moment. He would have missed meeting Jesus himself. He was that close to missing it. The only reason he got to meet the Messiah is because he was obedient to God. When God tells you to obey, don't delay. Easter is three weeks away from, from now. Easter Sunday. Isn't it crazy? Easter is three weeks away from, from today. And Easter Sunday is kind of like the Super Bowl Sunday of all churches. More, more people go to church on Easter than any other day in the year. Even more so than Christmas Eve. It's, it's people, you know, millions of people go to church. It's estimated that 70%, over 70% of people who are invited to come to church on Easter will accept the invitation if you simply extend the invitation. So on each of your chairs, there should be two invitations. Invitations that look like this. Pull that invitation out really quickly. It's a door hanger. It says Easter on the front. 
And the tagline underneath Easter says, this changes everything. And perhaps that's your story because it's definitely my story. Jesus changes everything. That's what I'm preaching on in three weeks from now. Three Sundays from now, I'm delivering that message about how Jesus changes everything. What if you were to take one of these, these little door hangers and, and take them to your neighbor's house and, and slip them on? You don't even have to ring the doorbell. You don't even have to talk to them. Just slip, slip it on there because what if this were to happen? What if your neighbor comes out and gets this thing and says, you know what? I don't already have a church, but it's because somebody invited me, I'm going to show up on April 21st. I'm going to go to Pinion Hills. What if it's just any other year to them? What if it's just any other Easter to them? But what if they show up to church thinking it's just business as usual, any Easter as usual, but what if that's the year? What if April 21st of 2019 is the year that they meet Jesus? They, they just show up to church. Simeon was just obedient to God. I'm just going to the temple. I'm just going. I'm just obedient. I don't even know what's there, but his life was forever changed because he met Jesus himself. What if because of your obedience in putting this on somebody's door, Somebody shows up and they meet Jesus themselves. Perhaps it changes everything for their life. That's my challenge to you. Take some of these door hangers, put them on doors of your neighbor, to the neighbor to your left, the neighbor to your right. You want more of these? We've got a stack of them out in the plaza. You want to canvas your entire neighborhood? Go canvas your entire neighborhood. Put these on as many doors as you possibly can. You want those little business cards where you can invite people? You stick them in your purse, stick them in your wallet. You can invite people. You put them out on the counter of your business or whatever you, wherever you go to work. And we can get the word out that Jesus changes everything. If the one day, Super Bowl Sunday, is Easter Sunday, more people are willing to go to church on that day than any other day, perhaps you and I can have a role in filling more of the seats in this, this congregation, in this particular uh, audience. And maybe more people get to meet Jesus themselves. Maybe everything in their lives is changed for the better because you had a role in that. But here's, here's the reality, friends. You and I, we don't have to wait for Easter to experience Jesus. You and I don't have to wait like Simeon did for decade after decade after decade to have an encounter with the Messiah. You and I don't have to wait like the nation of Israel did for the consolation, for the comforter of Israel. We don't have to wait. We can have a relationship with Jesus right here and right now. In fact, the other card that's on your chair is a little white card. It's a little prayer card. You can pull that guy out. This is our prayer request card. Perhaps you've seen this before. Perhaps you've turned one of these in. On one side it says prayer request. On the other side it says welcome to Pinion Hills. And on the bottom it says there's next steps. Next steps I would like to take. Here's the reality, friends, is that we're all on a journey with Jesus. We all. We're all on some sort of path in our spiritual journey. And perhaps... Perhaps you're new to this whole church thing. Maybe you're like, I don't know a whole lot about Jesus and he's not my Lord and Savior yet because I, I, I have some questions. And, and here's my challenge to you. If that's you, I would encourage you, check the box on there. Your next step is to learn more about accepting Jesus as your Savior. Check that box and we'll sit down and we'll have coffee and we'll talk about whatever questions that you have. Whatever's holding you back from accepting Jesus as your Lord and Savior, let's talk about it. Let's have a frank conversation. Or perhaps you can send a text message to 505-412-4880 with the message of one. You want more information on how to accept Jesus if that's your next step and your faith with Jesus and your walk? You want to talk about questions? Text that phone number in with a message of one and we'll respond back to you and we'll start a conversation. But maybe you've already, already made that decision. Maybe you've already accepted Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. Maybe he's the leader of your life. But for whatever reason, you haven't been baptized yet. On your little card says you can get baptized. We have baptisms coming up in two weeks. You don't need to pray about it. You don't need to think about it. God said you should get baptized. It's a public proclamation of an inward decision you've already made. 
So check that box or send a text message to 505-412-480 with the message of two for getting baptized. Everybody has a step that you can take in your journey with Jesus. Maybe you've already been baptized, but maybe you're like, I've been, I've been kind of trying to figure out a church home and you haven't decided a church home yet. Maybe you want more information about this church where you can put down roots. The church is not a facility. It's the people. You want to put down roots with the people here? We have information for you as far as who we are and what we're all about. So you can decide to do life with us. Perhaps check that box of learning more about Pinion Hills. Maybe your next step isn't that. Maybe it's to join a life group. That's how the early church was grown. That's how so many people came to hear about Jesus. It was in the context of homes. We have three different life groups that we have here at Pinion Hills. We have home life groups. We have a campus life group, and we have interest life groups. We're providing opportunities for you to meet with other people and dive deeper in your faith and have an understanding of why you believe what you believe, growing in your relationship with Jesus. Maybe that's your next step. You've been coming for a long time, but you're still, for whatever reason, reluctant to join a life group, but that's perhaps your next step. Check that box or text number four. Maybe your next step is to give generously. God gives each one of us time and treasure and talents. And he entrusts those things to you. Your time, the most valuable resource that you own. What are you investing it in? Investing it in things that have eternal significance or minimal significance. You can invest your time in things that will change the kingdom of heaven. Your treasures, the money that you have, the resources that you have. You can, you can keep it all and hoard it to yourself. Or you can say, God, I trust you with everything. I want to build your kingdom with what you've entrusted to me. And God blesses you back when you choose to bless him. Or, or your talents, the ways that you've been equipped, the, the passions, the abilities, the strengths, the gifts that you have to use those things to be a blessing to other people. Perhaps you want more information as far as how you can give generously and how you could take that next step with your relationship with Jesus. Or maybe your next step is serving. Maybe you've been coming and coming and coming to this church and you've, you've been attending as the church, but you're, you're not taking ownership of the church by, by participating in it. 95% of the people that run this church are volunteers. It wouldn't be possible to have our Sunday services in the morning without people who are coming in and volunteering their time. And there's all sorts of different ways you can serve. There's about 12 different teams you can join, but there's three needs that we have right now that you can sign up for if you're interested in serving. The first one is that we have a campus cleanup this coming Saturday. Campus cleanup. We want to make this campus, this facility beautiful for Easter. For all the people that are coming here for the first time, we want to make a great first impression on them. So we're painting walls. We're, we're cleaning carpets, we're planting flowers outside, we're putting out mulch, we're, we're making this place a beautiful place. So perhaps you want to serve. That's this coming Saturday, and then for a campus cleanup, 7.45 to noon, bring your work gloves, men, women, children, kids, anybody's welcome to come. We're having breakfast at 7.45, a short devotional right after that, and then we're going to divide into teams, and those teams are going to divide and conquer. We're going to make this place beautiful. That's one need that we have. We have another need that Ricky came out and mentioned earlier. We need 75 more volunteers on Easter Sunday alone just for the children's ministry. 75 more. There's already people that are serving every single Sunday consistently, week after week after week. In addition to those people, we need 75 more for the crowds that we're anticipating on April 21st. Perhaps you can attend a service and serve in a service and help with the little kids, knowing that it's not, it's not child care that you're doing. You're singing songs, you're planting seeds as far as God's word that perhaps is going to leave a legacy in that kid's family. It's so much more important than just babysitting. It's not babysitting. It's building a legacy. Perhaps you could check that box of serving on, on, your, on your sheet there and put children's or Easter right next to it. The third need that we have is in our student ministry. We've hired a youth pastor recently, and Vaughn has been doing a great job. We have nearly 100 students coming in our student ministry on Sunday morning and Sunday evenings. 
and when today we could use another 10 volunteers to sign up right now to mentor, to lead, to guide teenagers. By the way, teenagers, if you're here today, you're missing out if you're not already in the student ministry. Go and check it out. If you're not already part of it, don't miss out. Don't have FOMO because it's, it's bumping and there's a lot of excitement and buzz going around, around that. There's also out in the plaza as you leave here, there's some tables with balloons on them. Called, uh, they're, they're recruiting people for Steps for Life where you can go and perhaps support this community by saying, hey, you know what? I'm not all about ending people's lives. I'm all about fighting for life. And the, and the, the table that's set up with balloons outside in the plaza, uh, they're recruiting people to put on a 5K walk later in April where uh, they're creating awareness to, to choose life instead of abortion. Maybe you want to serve them. Maybe you want to jump on board with what they're doing. There's so many different ways. But friends, bottom line is this. You and I don't have to take a number when it comes to having a relationship with Jesus. We all have a next step that we can take when it comes to our relationship with Christ. We don't have to wait like Simeon did. We don't have to wait like the nation of Israel did. We don't have to wait like Abraham did. We can have a relationship with Jesus today.